sit down, take a chew and chew my money till we get it. Till we get it. Paul Wall in the Coopers, what was they talking? Money speak, all that bullshit, keep it. Run the side, run the side, run the Sounds like typical JT to me. I know. I Sounds know. Like I, real JT bullshit. I made it on. I made it on a wing and a prayer, fellas. That's how mm-hmm. I made it here today. A wing and a prayer. It's the name of your biography. My passion in life, Matt. And your and your life's even shorter than the average life. And I would say most lives are pretty short. Yeah, my life is definitely gonna be shorter than the average life, without a doubt. <laughs> I realized I had like my midlife crisis at like age twenty-five. Yeah. Midlife is being, you know, generous as well. I think the earlier you can have your midlife crisis, the better. Get it out of the way. Get it the fuck out of the way. It's going to happen. Get a sports car when you're 15. Do something bad. This is how I feel about dying. It's like, why can't I just fucking die already? You know? Get it out of the way. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. Yeah. Let's see what's on the other side. Uh, You got a Peter Pan mindset. Was that Peter Pan's mindset? Death is nothing but a, the a next great adventure, or some shit like that. You know, you okay. don't, you don't, you don't think in Peter Pan thought. I think mostly in Peter Pan thoughts. No, no, I'm more of a Tinkerbell guy. Yeah, me too. In the sense that I'll die if you don't pay attention to me and clap a hundred percent. I'm that. I'm for sure that bitch. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen Peter Pan. I got to be honest with you. Oh, I've seen every iteration. I saw. I saw Hook. That's an iteration. The one with Robin Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah. it's not like it's not like it's not Peter. I mean, like the Disney. Peter Panning. That's him. That's him. That's me being Robin Williams from the movie. It's Peter Panning. <laughs> says. Oh, Peter Panning. Oh. <laughs> Do you know what used to scare me is the Boo Box. You know what I'm talking about? In Hook, where they put a guy in a little trunk and then they dropped like scorpions in there and they'd say, "Oh Boo. yeah, yeah." Oh, that put the yeah. fear of God in me. That scared me. Scared me mighty fine. Yeah, mm. that was back in that mm. time when we were uh, when when I, and when I say we, I mean the fucking Hollywood elites were making like kid movies into gritty live action. Like, remember? Yeah. Did you ever see the Pinocchio reboot where they made it live action? That looked terrifying to me. I absolutely did not. There's a scene in it where they're like the kids or somebody is is on a roller coaster. You know what I'm talking about, Robert? Sorry, I'm looking it up right now. There's oh, can you share it on here? It's yeah. the most terrifying thing in the entire world. Still to this day, it freaks me the fuck out. Where there's a scene where there there's like these kids on a roller coaster and they're turning into donkeys and they're going through it's like a dark tunnel that the roller coaster is going through, and so the light's just flashing like every time they go by a window, and every time the light flashes, they look a little bit more like a donkey. But there's like these weird, there's like those anamorph, like weird, like middle stages of when they're turning into a donkey. And it's like, and they're like terrified. They're like hands are turning into hooves and they're like screaming. And mm. I saw this as a kid and I was like, I'm never going to be the same. Why would they do this to a kid's movie? Yeah, that's how far we've come from God. That sounds, that, <laughs> that is dead. societal collapse right there. That's called God societal is collapse. Yeah. Is, this, yeah. is this the one that came out in 96? Yeah, it's probably, it's probably around Pretty, then. Wow. Oh, you're, we're like the same age, right, Matt? Let me see. I'm you 28. Way better than 29, just a rough <laughs> fucking 29. I guess if it was 96, I must have seen it late, because I was born in 93. There's no way. That was way a blockbuster I... flick you got. It was a blockbuster flick, for sure. Yeah, probably rented that shit. 
Oh yeah. man, Blockbuster was such an experience. It was the best thing. It was the best thing in the entire world. I remember renting an N sixty four game, renting that Tarzan game from Blockbuster. Yeah. Just having a hoot and a half, watching my brother beating it. I got to slide on vines and surf vines as Tarzan. It made me feel like an adult. It was incredible. Dude, the Blockbuster video game section was was the greatest thing of all time. And no. I don't know how, how they can they can redo it and make it that way again. But uh, do, are there still any like video rental stores in Austin? Mm. I don't think so. Because Man, there, there was like more when I lived when I moved here. In my college town, which is the story that I'm going to be telling, this is where this takes place: Murfreesboro, Tennessee. It's where Middle Tennessee State University is. There was a like between the years of 2012 and 2016 is when I went there, and there was a video rental store that also had like games and like it was like a blockbuster, but it was like a family-owned mom and pop blockbuster. But they had everything. I don't. I don't know how. I don't know how they did it. It was it definitely wasn't a chain, but they would just have like every new movie. They would have all like PlayStation 4 video games and shit. And I would just go like once a month just to rent and I like I knew that I could afford to not only buy these games, but just like buy them and not worry if I don't like them. But there's just something about just being able to rent a video walking in, renting a video game. I got five days. I gotta play the shit out of this. I'm not doing my homework. I'm gonna fail. I'm spending tens of thousands of dollars to go to school that I'm not going to do because I want to play this video game. Good, man. Do what you love. Ignore, if then, ignoring school is your passion, ignore school, baby. It was the best part of school. It was the best part of getting to go to school was that you didn't have to do it. That's the best part of college. I remember I went to community college pretty briefly. I was pretty bad at it. It wasn't really my jam. And I remember I went to a geology class and like I didn't really understand science because like I never took a real science class. It was all like homeschool science that I took. And so mm. they were in there talking about like old earth and like how rocks are formed. And I was like 16 or 17 and all at the time. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to get drunk. And I remember like coming back the next day kind of drunk and realizing, like, yeah, that's actually, I think I prefer getting drunk instead of going to community college. That's what I think I realized in my teens was like, hmm, college isn't as fun as like getting drunk with your buddies. No, it's was, not. But that's the, that's the coolest thing about college is that, especially if you go to one, like the one I went to, it was, pra- it was, it was barely a step up from community college it was a like a like a just a farm uh uh what like a like a farm school for like nurses and like elementary school teachers and it's like the biggest university in tennessee by population so it's kind of like texas state yes it's it's a lot it's like texas state but it's bigger it's like it's like four texas states put together Okay, so imagine Texas State, but they have the student body of UT Austin. Yeah, yeah, okay. but like none of the promise of UT Austin. Like nobody. <laughs> no, no, just no. Num- solely the numbers, not yeah. nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like uh, most of the people that went to MTSU, Middle Tennessee State University, had um, wait like weighted tables, and got degrees in education and graduated and made less money after school than they did waiting tables in school. Uh, you know what I mean? And it's absolutely. like, and it's like kind of doing it all on purpose for the like comfort of, you know what I mean? Like, what'd you go to school for? I, I, so I started, I changed my major twice. I went through Uh-oh. three majors. I started in music business. Um, and 
just because my dad and like my dad and all of his brothers moved to Nashville from uh, Bandera, Texas, which is like just west of San Antonio. They moved in the in the late '80s for country music. They were in country music. Um, nice. I have two uncles that are like pretty accomplished songwriters, and then my dad managed artists. He was not like a creative, but he was more on the mu- music business side. And so I had like you know like played it like learned how to play guitar and bass and all this shit in high school and was like didn't really want to go to college but was like if i have to go i'm gonna do i'm gonna do something like that um so mtsu was the only school outside of belmont that had do you know what belmont is i always forget that i'm not in tennessee i got Um, i got a lot of coworkers from belmont oh do you work in music music in nashville oh you did where did you work uh, I'm currently working at a uh, talent agency. Do you live in Nashville? Yeah. Oh fuck! What part of Nashville do you live in? Uh, I live in Bellevue right now. Oh, okay, gotcha. It's um, just like southwest of it. Yeah. Oh, so you? So I'm, I was like explaining MTSU and all. You know all of it. You know Murfreesboro and all of this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the the story that JT wants me to tell all takes place in Murfreesboro, dude. Um, Robert, I don't know if I've I've, told you this story that Matt says. It like makes me sick to my stomach. (laughs) I laugh so hard. And when I see him, sometimes if I see Matt, I'll just start laughing because I know this story. It hit every fucking point that it's like, I'm trying to hype it up too much, but I saw Matt. We were on a show at Alamo. They're doing doing shows on at the Alamo at South Lamar again. The Alamo Alamo Draft House, right? Yeah, there used to be like a big budget and there was like big shows and like now it's like our boys and it's like, hey, what's up, fellas? <laughs> They're back. Wait, 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 back so in Alamo. I had I have a question about that. Mar- Sorry, JT. They're doing oh. shows. I, I didn't even know they did shows before on the South Lamar one. Derek Sheen and Avery Moore and I think Chris Cubis all used to have shows there. Okay. Because I, I only ever went to the one with like the it was like the barrel of laughs or whatever. Like it was Max- it was up north. Mac Blake's old show. Yeah. Barrel of Funds. God, yeah. what a fun little what a fun little time. Oh uh, yeah. Right, what so were you gonna on. say, Matt? You said you so, had a question. I love answering yeah, questions. The Alamo show. Or Alamo shows. So I I know that like um that like back in the day when I used to listen to podcasts, like comedians podcasts, like wait like back in like two thousand 15 and 16 and stuff and they and they would do dates and they would say that they were doing the alamo draft house yeah is that what they're talking like because you said that they used to produce big shows and probably had like headliners and stuff they would do it in that room at yeah when i moved here in like 2012 the shows that you would go to there were like all like the local people that were already like successful working comics and then people from out of town with like big TV credits. So like the, the shows that I went to there and what's wild is actually our show. Wasn't there a fool that was on Letterman or something on the show that we were on? He had a no. late night credit. No, no, no. His name's, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, it's probably like late, late show with Craig Ferguson or something. Hassan. Wait, so, wait who is, Oh, it's on, it's on Ahmad. That dude has a TV credit, like a late night show. Oh yeah. Right. He's, he's on the, uh, or he was on the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. He was like, Boom. oh, I, I didn't know that. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. He, uh, I heard, I only heard it when the host introduced him. They said something, you know. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I should pay attention. But instead, I got high with JY Cotton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I, I never thought about that, but I knew that 
um, like, I know that there's, there were, there are multiple Alamo locations. I know there are some older ones and some newer ones. And I remember, I remember hearing on podcasts forever ago, people being like, I'm doing the Alamo draft house. And I did, I never, I guess I never put together that, that it was that it was that they, place. They stopped doing shows pre pandemic. Like even before the pandemic, they stopped doing comedy shows there. And, uh, it was wild. I don't know. I was really surprised. I thought it was going to be at the Barrel Funds one, the one up north that Robert was mentioning when, whenever they asked mm. us to do it. And then I seen the, then I was like, oh, they have shows back at Alamo. I don't know. It's weird. Whenever a venue's like, never mind on comedy, and then they say, okay, comedy, come back. It's like, what happened? Oh my God. Yeah. What'd you yeah. guys try? Improv? Yeah. Well, <laughs> when that would happen um, a bunch, that, that would happen all the time in Nashville would it would it would be <clears throat> like like historic or just super popular um rock venues was most of our stages because mm-hmm. yeah. you know there was one club there was zanies up until like a few years ago when when two more came and they were just like one was an improv club and the other one was like a very very like d-tier comedy club so if you were going to do any local shows zanies wouldn't really do local shows because they could just get so many headliners and do one-nighters throughout the week that they would do them um different rock venues and when i started it was kind of like that when we would try to start shows they would be like oh no we we used to do shows and then they would like name very specific older comedians and be like this guy ruined it here you're not doing shows here this guy who moved who moved away five years ago and we haven't done a show with him in 10 years he ruined it forever so now you who we have just met today can yeah. never do a comedy show. A yeah, guy well, who had a comedian in his Facebook name in 2014. Yeah, a show for everyone, and he's a barber now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's the funniest part about about like doing local stand-up shows is that nobody nobody thinks that that can be stand-up. Like everyone's like like oh, this is a stand-up comedy show. It's like oh, then it must be at a comedy club or it must be in a you know theater. This must be some big guy, but like. When when you go to like a bar manager or like a venue that has never done a stand up show before or anywhere outside of a comedy club and you try to introduce them to the idea of stand up, it's like you are now attached to their idea of stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. It's like we did this one show with this one guy and everyone on it bombed, so stand up is bad. We're never gonna do stand up again. That's one thing that's cool about having like a smaller scene is when someone shitty starts a show someone good will show up and tattle on him and be like, hey, so everyone in the scene hates this guy. You shouldn't have a show here. I remember seeing that a lot when I first moved to Austin, Texas. And like yeah. bad shows, they wouldn't, they had that shitty little website, Last Gas Comedy. And like, it was like our like baklava or whatever the fuck people used to look up comedy shows. What's now Comedy Wham? What it, but when uh, when people that like weren't, you know, respected or good would start a show, they just wouldn't get their show posted on the show pages. And that was like oh, the yeah. like slap in the face. But now I think, you know, I don't think that'd be possible because there's so many different places to post your shows. Yeah. There Yeah. Yeah. There's so many different places and there's so many different factions within the Austin comedy scene. Yeah, that's able, wild, huh? To be I able feel to like regulate. when the pandemic hit and Joe Rogan moved, it like it went from a comedy scene in Austin to like three separate scenes, like circles. Yeah. I think I think so too, but I, I should just go on the record as saying that's when I moved here. So I don't know what it was before. I remember but, doing a comedy, like going to an open mic in like twenty twenty one, 
And that was when I found out that comedy had been happening the whole time. And I was like, I've been, I had no idea. And like, I was blown away. I was like, there's been open mics, there's been shows. And it's like, I, everyone yeah. I know wasn't doing it. And I was like, so pissed. I felt like I was being, everyone was keeping a secret from me. Or I was well, like, the- you guys are all conspiring behind my back. Try to keep me on, try to <laughs> yeah. keep me from speaking my truth to power. If you guys are scared, that's what's yeah. going on. Well, the, the way I saw it was like, everyone from like, pre-pandemic Austin scene, you know, JT, Avery, Cubis, like everyone. It, it just seemed like everyone in the scene kind of collectively said, hey, until it's like legitimately safe to do shows again, we're just not going to perform. Because, you know, you had Cubis start his like meal delivery service and a lot of people just kind of just kind of went off the grid for a little bit. You know, JT destroyed a Penske truck uh, oh, in I West Texas. That. No, okay. East Texas, not West. Louisiana. And but then it's like you also had Vulcan Gas Company turn into a comedy club with like Tony Hinchcliffe taking it over for a while. And I thought all the those funniest t- part of that was when Joe Rogan referred to the place downtown. Uh, Vulcan was like, "This seems like the new comedy store," and the yeah. comedians were like, "I'll be a door guy. I'll be a door guy." <laughs> and me, a professional door guy on Sixth Street, which is like <laughs> the worst fucking door guy job you can have. I was like, "Have fun with that, boys." Yeah, go. Go 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 get discovered at the door of Sixth Street. Have it's fun with those fucking shitty acoustics, mm, shitty yeah. sight lines. Uh, where's Murfreesboro? How far is it outside of Nashville? Um, it's like forty-five minutes outside of Nashville, I would say. And what well, ages were you there from? Well, so I I went to college from two thousand eleven to 2016 with a break in between um because i i i graduated high school nice i went i went to thank you uh i went to mtsu and i moved into a dorm with my cousin who's the same age as me was also a freshman and like you know my mom's sister's son like my best friend growing up who kind of turned out to be somewhat of a I, well, the whole time we kind of knew that he was kind of a shitbag, and uh, he he ended up like the night that we moved in, like his mom, my parents move us into the dorm, and three hours later had to drive back to Murfreesboro and pi- and pick me up. He went to jail, but had to pick me up because I was seventeen, so they weren't going to take me to jail. And he went to jail because my cousin like had a bunch of his high school friends come over and party with him in our dorm nice and like smoking cigarettes and drinking in the dorm. I mean, it's like a dry campus. It's like, this is all very not okay. And everyone except for him was a minor. <laughs> and, uh, and then they, you know, the RA of the dorm or whatever, like heard it happening or whatever. And saw the kids outside, like smoking cigarettes on the porch and shit and called the cops. So they had to move me out the d- three hours after moving me in. Man. And uh got kicked off campus and got uh suspended, like wasn't wasn't allowed to live on campus for an entire year. So I had to drive from Nashville to Murfreesboro to do all my classes and I was taking full time schedule both semesters. And about two weeks in I just quit going and I've outright failed thirty six hours of college my first year nice. at college. And then was out and then uh and then decided to like go back. I was like, I can't just like this can't be how it ends. And so I went back and um and 
tried to just get a degree in whatever as to not look like I lost, essentially. What'd you end up getting a degree in? Because music business didn't work out for you. So that's when I, I quit music business during that time because I was also like, I didn't factor in that I would have to be good at music to go into music. And so I did these two semesters, then like got into classes with like musicians and people that could read music and sing and like play guitar and shit and was like, oh, I can't do any of this. So then I went over to digital animation because I was going to create video games. I was going to develop video games. That's what I thought. Um, And then got about two semesters into that and realized that you have to be good at art to create video games. I thought I would be able to just walk into a room and just be like, what if they? What if we put Bugs Bunny on the moon? And it was like, <laughs> like I thought that's what developing video games was. Like you just walk into a room, you have an idea for a video game, and a year later, a team has built it. You know, nice. Um, and so I was like, can't do that. So then I just I went to my guidance counselor or whatever they were called in college, and was like, here are the classes I've taken. How? What? What degree am I closest to? Like, what, what degree can I get without having to start all the way over? And the only one was um, multimedia journalism. Nice. So oh, that's okay. what I got. Nice. You're a trained journalist. I'm a tech, I mean, on paper. Yeah. yeah. You're a trained journalist. I want you to get the scoop. You look so like a guy that can get the scoop. I, I got the journalism degree that whole time. I had a, a radio show at our student-run radio. Um, it was a talk show. Uh, which is where I learned about podcasting and started podcasting. We would turn it into a podcast after we did it. So I was like podcasting for like four years before I started doing comedy. Nice. Um, the podcast to stand up pipeline. Yeah, I, I didn't. I I did podcast in college, and I didn't start stand up until I, after I graduated college. Um, but like, never, never had, never once thought that there was any reason that I ever wanted to do anything in journalism was just like, I just want to get out, but I've spent too much money to just quit. Mm-hmm. So let's get something. But then, you know, through all that, learned about podcasting and started listening to comedians' podcasts, learned about stand-up, and now does stand-up. So, How long have you been doing stand-up for? Five years. Man, you, the, the, like, the key thing that I'm like, Matt Boyd, Matt Boyd, is that fucking story you told when I saw you like a year or so ago. Yeah. At uh, Ty Wynn's old show downtown. Or maybe that was a mic. I have no idea. No, it was, it was a mic. I remember that. I remember that night very well. I um, died. I, I remember telling that story. And I, like, I remember our interaction very, very well. I'm glad. Yeah. Well, Be- probably not. But I, <laughs> that story because kills me. I don't, I don't know. I, I, had, so I had started telling that story years ago. Mm-hmm. And I never really worked on it. And then that was the first time I ever did it in Austin. And I had probably lived in Austin for, I don't know, like, like five or six months when that, when, when that night happened. And it was at an open mic at Santa Cruz Theater. It was, I believe it was Ty Wen's, uh open mic. And I told this story. And the funny thing is that like the best, the story on stage is not that great. Like it's a funny story. But it's not that great of a story to tell during stand-up, yeah. I think, personally. It's not mad punchy. It's not like a mad no, punchy it's not story. At all. It's just a yeah. crazy, yeah, just a silly story. Um, 
And the funny thing is that like the part that you like so much, which is the, it is the, the best part of the story is halfway <laughs> through the setup. And like you, I said it, I, I say the part and you didn't stop laughing for my entire time. You don't, you don't have a subtle laugh. I know. I'm like, sorry. You don't, like it was your laugh became the show while I was trying to tell the story. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 45 seconds into my set and, and the show has now become your laugh. And I've the funny, the funny like thing it. is, the funny thing is I'm also the only person in the room that doesn't know who you are. <laughs> it's like, so you or other open mic comedians have lived in Austin yeah, long enough. Yeah. It, it was like, you know, it was like, it was like 10 open micers and that was the entire room. Mm. And, uh, I'm, I'm the only one that has no idea who JT Kelly is. And so you're just standing in the back of the room, losing it like, like a, like a full blown lunatic and everyone, everyone. And I don't know if you even know this or, or like conceptualize this. Everyone in the room is like, uh, they're like, Oh, JT Kelly. Like you had, you, when people were telling me about you, you had this like kind of mythology and the, this, like, uh, this guy is like one of the, the legends of Austin comedy before the pandemic and all that you know like oh like that's when you first start coming back during the pandemic i think that was i think the first time i saw any comedy for like two years yeah yeah Almost and every years. everyone was like oh my god jt kelly's back like when you were doing that like i remember i saw you at like a, a open mic at wanderlust too uh and uh and and you like went up and did a set and i like came in after you did your set and everyone was like talking about your set and all this but i didn't like know i didn't know that was you i didn't know who you were at at and, Don't juice uh, me up. I'm gonna write a manifesto. Don't juice me up like that. You can make <laughs> yeah. me crazy. Late, man. Dog. Now yeah. everybody knows. You can make me do something manic, brother. Don't, <laughs> don't fucking don't juice me up like that. But you, but you were losing it, and I like barely get through my set, and I go out in the back, and I was like smoking a cigarette out back, and you came out, and you offered to uh, buy the story. I wanted from to me. buy the story from you. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to buy. <laughs> thought of, I even you, Robert. Remember how Kyle was giving us money to do comedy stuff? Which Kyle? The Kyle that bought me this laptop, the Kyle that was paying for all the yeah, festival yeah. submissions and paid for the tapings. Yeah. I called Kyle and he was like, I'll think about it. And he, I was like, Matt said he'd sell it for $500. I've never was, heard anything yeah. funnier. Yeah. I was like, it is literally the funniest story I've ever heard in my life. And like, I get like, I'm, my breathing changes talking about it because <laughs> it like, I would, it, it, oh, it, it's like, yeah, I, like I was too young to see Borat in theaters. Like I would love to have seen Borat in theaters with people that didn't expect it. That's like my like I would like to see Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock. Yeah. And then I heard that story. I was like, I would give anything to be to line it up. Tell okay. So when did All this right. happen? When did this happen, Matt? So let's let, we're we're gonna slow this story. I don't know how long is this podcast. How long are how long are we going? As Ooh, long as you need. As long as you need. Okay. So we'll just we'll take we'll because it, it's a pr it's a relatively short story. So let's just if you have any questions at any point, let's just draw it all the way out. Make it as much of a podcast as possible. You got it, boss. So um, I am when this story happens, I'm 21 years old. A little bit of context for this story. Um, so when I was 21 years old, I <laughs> got involved with the Russian mafia. No. Uh, when I was 21 years old, I got a DUI in Murfreesboro right off campus driving back from, um, I worked at the Buca de Beppo in Cool Springs, Italian restaurant. Um, right. 
And one of this, the nicest restaurants in Tennessee. One of the, by yeah. far, maybe the nicest. <laughs> yeah. um, there's Buka, then there's Hattie Bees. <laughs> yeah. So, so just for context, Buka to Beppo and the city of Cool Springs is like is like 35 minutes from Murfreesboro. It's like far. I would drive there because it was great money, and I worked at this Buka to Beppo, and I would get borderline blackout drunk after work every night and drive back to Murfreesboro. Let's go. Um, this was back. I, I think that I hit the very end of, I'm like the Tony Soprano of driving drunk. Like I, I hit the very tail end of when you could still do it. And it was like socially acceptable. Like, I think that it stopped being cool. Like when Tiger Woods did it. When did Tiger but, Woods do it? Well, like he got in trouble. He he was like on pills and drinking and driving. I think it was like 2018 or 19. Like Tiger the last Woods week. is so cool because he's so good at golf. He got like 15 girlfriends. That's awesome to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking, yeah. I think that's like the yeah. coolest thing in the world. It's like, oh, that's backwards. Oh, that's misogyny. Okay, whatever. I'm guilty. That guy's awesome. Yeah. To me. I'm like, dude, you are kind of like a loser and a chump. Like, yeah. you know, aesthetically. Well, he got just banging dimes every left oh, and right. Oh, dude. Wild. He got unlimited. He got unlimited diamond pussy yeah. from a sport that was invented just to ignore your wife yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you know absolutely like, he did the he reverse engineered golf it's where, wild that you don't see more fat guys in golf you see fat guys in baseball still you see fat guys in yeah. jujitsu sometimes but you don't see fat guys at golf really not pro level i think Maybe th- i wrong. think that that's all tiger woods's fault because he brought yeah. the getting pussy aspect to golf before him it was fucking jack nicholas it was who is who is that guy that that is like the the super famous uh, golfer that would like smoke cigarettes on the on the course and like drink beer. You know what Wasn't I'm talking? It Andrew Daly. Yes, yes, Daly. John John Daly. No, yeah, Andrew Daly. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, those guys were all fat. Arnold Palmer. Like all those dudes were like were like fucking yeah. jokes. Like they all look like John Ryan, Daly, Ryan Arnold Daly. Palmer, yeah. Jack Nicholas. Yeah. You know, yeah, the, the guys who smoke cigars and they're like, yeah, like I, I picked up this game to ignore my future wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah, the yeah. best. <laughs> yeah. And that, and then Tiger Woods had to come in and have daddy issues and fucking change the game. And it's like, this was just a leisure sport to make millions at. And then you had to fucking do this. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, he so, ruined drunk driving for you, too. <laughs> he fucking ruined it, dude. Because it was, dude, everyone I knew, I, I can't, I don't know if this is a, if this is a time period thing, if this is a Southern thing, but like everyone I knew, I only feel comfortable saying this because I don't do, I don't drink anymore, but like I used to just get so drunk and, and drive and it was not a problem. It was not me and people my people encouraged it. Yeah. Honest yeah. to God. Yeah. I, I have the same experience where people encouraged, people thought it was funny and cool. And it's like, maybe they just wanted me to die, but like, honest to God, people really did. Like you're saying, it was like a, it was like smoking cigarettes inside. Like it was a oh, bad yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I didn't know, ne- I never, I the, like designated driver was like something people said in commercials. It was also you like know? a joke. Like I got some DD tonight. Yeah, yeah, you are baby. Yeah. You're going to get drink with me. Yeah. Dude, I never want – the way that we figured out who would drive home is just whoever our fattest friend was because we all drank the same amount, mm-hmm. you know? Like, we all never stopped drinking, and he's got more to absorb, you know? Yeah. So it's like he's the least drunk, I bet. Another example of fat people having to do more emotional labor. Yeah. 
which <laughs> yeah it's y'all's time okay <laughs> uh, uh, it's your time to shine when you're when are you getting a month you know yeah well i want a fat people month we um, we, de we deserve that that's fat people have put up with pretty much everything you can imagine but you know the, the craziest thing about about you know driving drunk is that you just get away with it until you don't and then when you don't it's it's a problem why like, do you think you got caught i i got caught because i uh was it, i had a friend in the car with me who also worked at buca de beppo and uh i was showing him i wish i could tell you exactly what song but some song came out this was 2015 yeah this was 2015 there was some song that came out and i was showing him and i was rapping it and i was like getting into it i got pulled out i was not like swerving because i was too drunk to drive I, I was swerving because I was dancing while driving and like went out of the lane a little bit. And then mm -hmm. there was a cop behind me the whole time, but like wasn't speeding, wasn't, you know, anything. Was it hotline um, bling? It might have No, it was not hotline bling. No, <laughs> I'm trying no, to no. think. Incredible time. Like what came out in 2015 is like maybe hotline bling. It was no, it wasn't. It wasn't like a popular song. It was, um, oh, okay. I, I can tell you it was, it was off the, the, the J Cole, the Dreamville, uh, um, uh collab album and it, i but i just couldn't tell you what song but um i think it might have been i know every word to all of them so it'd be <laughs> difficult for me to pinpoint them down do you understand it, me i believe it was the song tabs by boss b-a-s okay the song that i was showing them um and uh so i get pulled over and i'm not mind you i'm not like drunk like sure. I'm, I'm, I can talk to him. I can, I can like, everything's fine. I'm like, giving him little kisses on the forehead. We're I'm chatting. looking him in the eye. I'm not admitting to drinking anything. Like nice. I, like we're fucking, it's go time. It's game time. They pull me out of the car. They're like, no, you've been drinking. So we're going to give you a field sobriety test. They pull me out of the car. They did. I remember to this day, they gave me nine different field sobriety exercises to do. What? And I was passed, I passed all of them. Like it got to a point where by the time we got to like number seven or eight, I felt like they were just making shit up. Like I felt like they were just thinking of things to tell me to do. And one of them, one of them that the guy told me to do, it might've been the last one was he was like, I'm going to say go. And I want you in your head to count to 30, like count to 30 seconds. And I'm going to watch it on my watch. And we're going to see how close you get to 30. <laughs> how many little jelly beans are in this jar? <laughs> and I was like, I was awesome. like, okay, when do you want me to start? And he goes, go. And I do it. And then <laughs> anywhere between 29 and a half to 30 seconds later, I go, okay. And, and uh, he goes, that was actually pretty good. And I was like, I was like, wait, what did I get? I wanted to know. I was kind of fucking with him because I was like, no, tell me what was what was my score? Like, did I get thirty? Was it twenty nine? Was it third? And he was like, it was good. And then he goes away. He goes back to his partner who's at the cop car, and he comes back to me and he says that I failed the first one he gave me. So it's like, then why did you keep going? Like, like why didn't you? I failed the first one and you stopped. So whatever, I, 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 I was drinking. There's, there's a, a big through line to this whole story is this like underlying guilt that I have in a situation where nothing is wrong. Like, like everything's fine, but I, 
I knew that I passed all that. I knew I was good to drive home, but I also knew I was drinking earlier and I've never been in this situation. So like, I don't know, like I'm just acting guilty in all this because I'm like, I don't fucking. So he like, I don't dispute him handcuffing me, you know, like he's like, he's like, you're going, you're drunk. We're taking you to to jail. And so I'm just like, okay, whatever. So my friend has to get an Uber from like the side of the interstate or whatever. I get put into the drunk take in Murfreesboro in Rutherford County jail in Murfreesboro. It's a Saturday night. Um, it's just like, it's me. Uh, by the way, by the way, I'm wearing my Buca de Beppo uniform. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in jail in a college town on a Saturday night. I'm in the drunk tank wearing pressed black slacks, dress shoes, a, a pressed starched white collared shirt and a wow. tomato tie. You were wearing your buka formals. You were in the buka formals before the, the best part though is that I'm wearing a red tie that is a a a print of tomatoes all over the tie. <laughs> and I'm sitting in jail with like dudes with like teardrop tattoos. And like like dudes fighting with their girlfriends in the girl drunk tank across the hall, you know. Like oh, got, I like that got, they kind of had them close to each other. Yeah, got arrested together, you know. That's romance. Um, and so I'm in there forever. Um, my dad bails me out. My my dad uh, comes and picks me up. It, this is the third time in college he's had to like come pick me up from you know law enforcement in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I believe the next day, no, that was a Saturday. So Sunday I go to work, I go to work at Buka. And then Monday I go to a, ju- uh, 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 a lawyer in, in Murfreesboro. I tell him the, my whole situation and he's like, um, this is like, you're going to go to court. You're going to, you're going to, you know, they're going to give you something. The whole, the whole time between now and your court date, what we need to do is build a case for you so that you get the least sentence possible. Like, because if you look like you're doing good things and you're not just sitting around and being a shitbag about all this, then the judge is going to look more favorably on you. Yeah, you do volunteer work, you yes. do stuff like that. Yeah, just anything yeah. you I'm an upstanding member of my community. <laughs> that whole, the whole kit and caboodle, yeah. Yeah. So, um, oh, uh, by the way, I... That I never once got breathalyzed at, at in this whole process. They never breathalyzed me. They never got like a number down for me for nice. what my blood alcohol was. But they took my they took my blood at the drunk tank like three hours after they arrested me. Like not right when I got there. Like I was sitting in the drunk tank for hours and then I got pulled in. They took my blood, blah, blah, blah. So, so the judge was like, we basically have to do all this because we don't know what your results are going to be. We have no idea what they're going to find in your blood and if you're guilty or not. We just, we just don't know. So you need to go ahead and get all of your volunteer work and your, and your AA out of the way. Legal system's incredible because you it's have a, a lawyer look at you and say, we don't know if you're guilty yet. It's like, well, we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <right. laughs> I would drive <laughs> almost blackout drunk. We know, <laughs> yeah. well, like, that, we know I did it. <laughs> that's, the, that's the funny part is that he's basically like, He's like, you could be getting anything from like a $500 fine to, to 60 days in jail based on whatever number they get out of your blood, you know? 
So in order to like combat whatever they're going to find in your blood, you need to do all of your, your community service and that'll make you look good. So he said, you need to do, you need to go to Salvation Army. There was a Salvation Army in Murfreesboro and I went, you know, like uh, every Tuesday for eight weeks, I would go and for like four hours, I would serve meals to homeless people. Nice. Or, Thank you for and your this service. Is, this is all before I didn't my. Know you were in the army, dude. The Salvation <laughs> one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is all. This is all before my court date. I did it. I did all of it. I would go to a Salvation Army in a soup kitchen in Murfreesboro, and me and four fourteen-year-old uh, Latina girls would serve homeless people um, uh, food. And they're like, do you You're like, yeah, same. <laughs> same. The, the, four, the four Latina teens that I was serving with were there because they all went to the same high school. They were freshmen in high school and they all jumped a girl and broke both of her legs. Like, Fuck like yeah. two weeks before all of, before we met and they had to do community service to get out of going to juvie. Were you scared they were going to kick your ass? Oh dude, they were the most terrifying like they were like four foot fucking green berets. Like they were, they were the m most insane people I've ever met in my life. I mean, like, like I would walk in and they would just roast me. Like, er like I would just walk in and they would, you know, just like call me the N word. And like, like it was like, it was like the most insane. And they were like, they were fucking dude, like this tall, I guess this is an audio medium. They were literally like four, three. Oh. And the 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 hardest people I've ever seen in my entire life. Like their skin was hard. Like they were they were like <laughs> they had already lived. Like they had turtle skin, dude. They were like that hard leather. Yeah, dude. Their elbows look like elephant ears. Like they were just like fucking hard people. My the other thing that I had to do was do I had to do my AA meetings. I had to do eight, I, the, which, and they were an hour each. I had to do eight hours of AA meetings before. Crazy I, that there's 12 steps, but you only have to do eight of them. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, to yeah. Prove. There's 12 steps, but they're all 45 minutes long, and that comes out to eight hours. <laughs> uh, so wow, you're a math boy. That was <laughs> I don't even know if that's good, but if it is, I'm taking it. Um, so, so I had to do eight hours of, of AA meetings, which is just eight sessions. Um, but there was no Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't know before I did this that Alcoholics Anonymous is like a brand. Like it's like a it's like a branded class. And the pamphlets and everything is all under one thing. But there was no AA in Murfreesboro. Sounds like they need one. Yeah. Well, yeah. they had an alternative. And it's called Celebrate Recovery. Nice. Now Celebrate Recovery is like AA, but they're held in churches. They're put on by churches. They're independent. They're put on by churches. And you can go for anything. You can, it's not just alcoholics. You can go for any problem. I would meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. It starts off with a full-blown church service. It starts off with a worship band and a preacher. And, and you get your chips and everything. And then you break off into men and women. The men go into one room we would go into a sunday school room where we were sitting in like kids chairs like yellow plastic chairs full-grown men and me and then the girls would go into a room and like i like i don't know what their issues were i was never there but 
I don't know what their issues were. I don't, I don't know what women deal with. I'll be honest. I don't <laughs> know what the fuck never, their never problem cared. was. Uh, but I go, and mm-hmm. every week for eight weeks in a row on Wednesday night, I would sit in a room with eight other guys, and they were all addicted to gay porn. <laughs> 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 it's just what it is, man. It's the it's fucking. Like you were the odd one out. <laughs> it was the odd one out. <laughs> they were like, "He got in trouble. We all have a problem." <laughs> it's so funny, dude. <laughs> I mean, it's just the best because it's like you—you you just have to understand, like my situation going in is just like I'm just trying to get out of something. You know? You're trying not to go to jail. <laughs> and these guys, I don't actually have a problem, you know? And here's the thing. Neither do these guys. <laughs> but, they just but like men, man. That's there's it. no convincing them. It, it's, kind, it's really dark, and it's kind of sad, honestly. As funny as it is, because... Um, so uh, I find out, uh, you know, two or three weeks in, that all of these guys go to this church on Sundays. They all know each other. But they're in this anonymous program where, like, I don't know. I like, I have to imagine that, like, none of the wives know that there's other dudes there, but they, you know, I think most of the wives probably know that their husbands are addicted to gay porn. But they're all married, they they all go to church, they're all like red blooded Christian, God fearing men, hard, hard alcoholic beer bellies like whole bodies and knuckle like they like they are they were like dudes they were dudes they were men they all looked like uh fucking uh uh what's his name fucking jim belushi (laughs) this is middle america this is what they (laughs) They are it is as middle america as it gets these are not coastal elites i can tell you that much they are all t-shirts to the jeans (laughs) wrangler jeans yes yeah yeah come and just beat it too hard Coming to celebrate recovery in like worn Wranglers with dirt on the knees that's not coming out, and they are grappling with gay porn. Like <laughs> they are, they can't, they can't get enough of it. They're Dude. not casually watching it; they can't stop watching. It. Oh man, it must be good. It and, must be good. For it. Dude, it's got to be. If you can get these guys. And gay porn yeah. can get these guys. <laughs> get, oh man! What I just love to imagine if you actually had a drinking problem and that was like your only outlet, and you went yeah. and you're just like, "Wow!" So all these guys still drink. They, <laughs> they all, all yeah, these, yeah. they all drink. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. They don't. They're not. They're overlooking all of these very real problems that they have. Where they're like, they're like, they haven't eaten a vegetable and since '87. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like they, they haven't stretched ever you know like they 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 don't work out they're probably abusive to their kids they they probably you know like have four different cancers battling it out in their body but they think that their problem is homosexuality which is the 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 sad part but that's also like the pretty ironic part is that um they all think that they have this like virus of homosexuality in them when they're talking. I don't know how much of this is. It's okay that I. I'm not saying any names. I don't know. Name, like, name names. 
Just name names. Yeah, let's ruin some families in Murphy's. Every time comedians talk about like Alcoholics Anonymous on podcasts, they're like, I don't know how much I can. Can I say all? Is this all okay? Oh yeah, I got news. We're not like syndicated or anything. That's a good point. So no uh, sponsors for the Fart Locker yet, Matt. (laughs) Gotcha. So so all of these guys, they're they're full blown Christian men. Like they 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 think that they have. They think that homosexuality is a sin. Like yeah. they think that they're going to hell because they yeah. are attracted to not even like actually attracted to men, I guess like attracted to watching videos of men have sex. They think mm-hmm. that they have like a, like a sickness and, and the, the dude that's running the, the guy, the ringleader, the fucking, the, the guy that puts on the whole thing that is like the mediator is also kind of telling them that this is a problem that they have to get over. And the only two people in the room that know that there's nothing wrong with these guys are me and God. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, but but you can't you're not allowed to say anything. Like like the rules of this place was that people that everyone gets like five minutes to talk or whatever, and there's no interruptions, there's no talking to them. When they're done, you don't like have a conversation about what the person says. It's just a place for you to say stuff and then move on to the next person. Sounds horrible. It sounds like the there's least no collaboration. Time. There was no sponsors. There's no, there's no, there's nothing. It's just I come here once a week. I I give a progress report on my affliction, and then I go, and then I come back and do it again next week. I don't know how these guys were ever getting help or if they were doing anything about it. Because I'm just I'm just sitting there white knuckling these conversations. Number one, wanting to be like, there's nothing wrong with anyone in this room, like. There's there's an even amount of guys. I think if we split up and fucked each other, we'd get all the problems out of the way. You know, yeah. like like there's nothing wrong with you guys, and they're all like they're all like weeping and they're all like breaking down emotionally every week. And 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 the the answer is just that just quit watching gay porn. Go fuck a guy. Yeah, that, I mean if that's the thing. But I mean, you, you have to see it from their perspective, which is like heartbreaking. But that's like if you went to go get AA help. And a dude there, like I just showed up, and I was like, "Dude, drink a little, <laughs> get loose, yeah, 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 yeah. play some stuff, you just get loose." You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I like yeah. to that's, loosen that's up. That's how they would, set. you know. Except <laughs> yeah, it'd be yeah. like, "Let's drink this alcohol," and also this alcohol banishes us to hell for eternity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they have like a an even bigger problem that alcoholics have. I guess what you're saying is that they think that their addiction is going to put them in eternal damnation. Yeah. My and, drinking problem pisses off my wife because it makes me like you know fat and lazy. Their yeah. equivalent to the drinking problem puts them in e- eternal damnation. Yeah, yeah. Gary, they're they're going to be sitting on a bed of a thousand spikes for eternity because they want to watch two dudes blow each other. Ah, oh, man. I really want to know the origin story because earlier you mentioned it's all these all these other guys that have the gay porn addiction go to the same church and it's it sounds like they probably all know each other but because it's yeah they all know each other yeah because it's anonymous they might say like oh yeah what what he said i've never met him before though but it's like because it's basically this sounds like a gay rendezvous no names no it sounds like like one guy stumbled upon it 
And it just kind of started spreading, like they were sharing links or something. And You're then using they... virus verbiage, Robert. Look <laughs> yeah. out! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> using yeah. virus verbiage. Yeah, <laughs> I um, think they were swapping links at one point yeah. during Sunday service. <laughs> well, I, I, when I tell, when I would tell the story on stage, I, I have a part where I say, like, like every guy would every week end their five minutes by their closer was always, "I just want God to change my life." And I and in the joke I say I think that if you just change the fucking Wi-Fi password to this place you'd be okay because yeah. <laughs> it's like why I also like how many churches could you go to this is the thing that like it like blew my mind about this is that like how many churches Southern Baptist churches could you go to in the southeast of the United States of America and find eight dudes that were addicted to gay porn you That's, know so what blows me away is it's like a syndicate. That- like the it's like, celebrate yeah. recovery thing where it's like, hey, this encapsulate any issue that you could work through. And yeah. then I, you know, I might go there because I'm, you know, psycho or like sick or whatever. But all of them, all of them, mm-hmm. gay porn. That's what that's the that do you think the guy leading it was like, oh man, another one of these batches? Are you kidding me? I got I got, <laughs> I a, I got a secretly gay guy batch. I, I wanted a drug addict batch. I think I I don't know. I think that uh I I genuinely believe that. It's just a lot of it was very random, but I think that the biggest thing was just that maybe this church just like attracted old gay dudes. Like, I don't really know. Maybe that's just the vibe of Murphy. Their worship songs are like musical theater. It's telling his wife, we have to go to this church. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, I honestly, I honestly have no idea. I, I don't know how this they all got together. I don't know how they all ended up at the same church and you know in the same like celebrate recovery. I don't know how they all figured out that, that it was a problem instead of you got to think if there was like eight dudes in a room that were all secretly gay, one of them would just break out and like liberate themselves. Dude, you know? I mean that's my mind. That's I was about to ask you. Like, do you think any of these fools either got together or now just live in gay? Like, you think I? You, I, all- I pray to god that they did me too i'm already praying to god they do like honestly yeah. let 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 my man get a little man fucking and and, and not in a support group but in a supportive yeah. community <laughs> yeah yeah i pray that this this month is the best month of of, of all eight of their lives mm. because they're like i finally came out and i find and all it took was that that sexy little man that came into our celebrate recovery Pretending like he had a drinking problem. Pretending like he had a thirsty after cock like us. (laughs) Well, that was always the craziest part was that like when it was my turn to talk, it was just like, I didn't want to just be, I felt like it was very demeaning to just be like, I'm just here to get like the signatures. So you'd also pretend like you had a gay porn problem? Yeah. I was just like, I also. I feel like I'm also having a hard time. Guys, I guys, I don't have a gay porn addiction, but I do have a lot of gay porn, and I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, my yeah. problem. You're like, I watch so much, I just call it porn now. That's that's yeah. what I'm referring yeah. to when I say porn. I no, I would it. just, I would just like hear all these guys like heartbreaking stories about you know, like going through an entire seven days of just like. It was always the worst when somebody was on a really hot streak of not watching dudes fuck, and then like one week they would come in and be like, "I I watched it this week. Oh. I fucking watched it." I had weird church stuff growing up where when I was in junior high, would they ever high, describe it? 
would they have? No, been no. Hot? They, they, they just said I watched. It. I can't remember to like that's not hot to me. Like the idea <laughs> of all those dudes describing gay porn is hot. Like <laughs> <laughs> especially if they felt super bad, I'd be rock fucking hard. <laughs> be like, yeah, and he spread his ass cheeks out, and he said, "I don't know if I can do that." And he said, "I'm going to show you how to do that. I'm going to teach you like a little bit." <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining it. My face minutes. is red right now, big dog. <laughs> when no, I was they're... in junior high, I had to do accountability for jacking off, where it's like we had accountability buddies, and if we wanted to jack off, we'd call a jack off sponsor. Mine was Cameron Snow. Yeah, I'll out his ass. He loved jacking <laughs> off in junior high, dude. Guilty as charged. I remember Connor being like, Cameron, I just want to jack off so bad. And he's like, don't, brother. Pay through, Was brother. your – wait, was, was the guy you were calling, was he also in junior high or was he an adult? No, he was in junior high, but dude, we did have weird adult conversations when you're in junior high, when like a dude that was like, not like quite like a man, man, but like an 18, 19 year old, like youth leader yes. would be like, I had a lot of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's looking back, it's like, Hey man, you lined us up to be weirdos and support groups. Like yes. that is weird. You notice how yeah. like you're rewarded for like inappropriate vulnerability in communities like that. Yeah. You're, yeah. That's like something that like, I mean, I don't know, ruined my fucking way I interact with people. Where it's like you're you're rewarded for being like inappropriately vulnerable, you know, yes, talking yes. about how much you struggle with jacking off or how much you love watching gay porn. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good point. I never thought about that. How a lot of the uh, a lot of the day to day sins that you are asked to struggle and confess about are always really inappropriate. Yeah, you're I mean, never, I, I think you're never asked to like you're never asked to like confess or talk about. Like if you were mean to somebody, it's yeah. always like if you had inappropriate thoughts or uh, did something sexually inappropriate. It's never like I said, "God damn it!" Today, you know. You ever see it? Like this is something that really stuck with me from a junior high. No, this is actually high school. There's this guy in like an internship program at like the weird charismatic church I went to. And I remember I was sitting down with him and another youth leader. And this I, this guy, this one youth leader named James, this guy was pure of heart. He wasn't a weirdo. He didn't talk inappropriately. With, he was smart. I think he's a lawyer now. He was like 20 at the time, like a nice youth leader, the best you could get in that scenario. This other guy comes and sits down with the table with us and says like, you know, JT, it's so hard to stay out of sin. You know, you got to pray. I remember before I found Jesus, I would, you know, I'd have two, three girls in a night. And it'd be like, okay. And he'd be like, yeah, and even, even in between those girls, I'd have to go watch porn, and I'd, I'd smoke weed all day. And it was all just about making money and having sex with women. And it's like, dude, you're just bragging. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're clearly just bragging, which is like, that's tight, bro. As, I mean, looking back now, I'm like, that guy was cool. But, I mean, it's weird to brag to a junior high about that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, where, where's the lesson? What did you learn from this? Yeah. That's what you it, ask him. It's like, yeah. what? <laughs> are you just getting this off your chest to brag or – and the reason I know James problem. Roberts was pure heart is because after that guy walked away from the table, James was like, I don't think he should be telling you that. It didn't sound like he was. And I was like, whoa, yeah, good perspective. I'm over here as a high schooler rock fucking hard right now thinking about <laughs> yeah. having sex with two women at the same time. This guy's with this, two women at the same time. You know, that was legal. It's insane to me. Yeah. You know? mm. Yeah. I, I had a I had a decent amount of those as well, which is it's just always so strange how much that is like. Baked into a lot of the. uh a lot of the religious institutions is that like I went to a, a uh, summer camp from like all of elementary school and middle school. And it was a church summer camp. It was basically just like vacation Bible school. Yeah. It was kind of like vacation Bible school, but it was all day and it was every, it was Monday through Friday all day. It was basically just like 
hey, your kids aren't in school anymore. So if you don't want to get a babysitter all summer, just send them. It was like a mass babysitter for Antioch, Tennessee. Yeah, vacation Bible school. Is that how I never I never actually did vacate. I thought that was just like a couple hours. That's normally what they call it. It, It's during the summer and it's it's essentially just like a cheap like childcare for the summer. Yeah. It's like even even like I think the last one I did was like second grade or third grade. Oh, but yeah. it's purely just one of those. It's like, yeah, we're going to ship your ass up to the local uh, local church and you're going to learn about Jesus and, you know, read some Bible stories. And then once yeah. it's around six o'clock when we get off work, we're going to pick you up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was always like everyone that worked there, I would assume that like they they were volunteers, but they were just like 18 year old, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they would it, they they would just have the most inappropriate conversations with you and uh, I remember looking back because a lot of times it was it was it was just an old it was like a it was like an eighteen year old dude telling me this stuff about like women and I was like you know fucking nine years old ten years old and it's like I remember when that was happening like you were saying with your friend being like I don't think you're supposed to be telling me this. Like not being like, oh, cool, and not being like, this is scary. Just being like, this is. It's kind of weird that you're telling me this. Yeah, like, like I didn't know like this. My, What's that? People will be like, oh, part of my testimony is having sex with like fifteen strippers one night, and it's like, wow, interesting testimony to share with junior hires, buddy. Yeah, yeah. It's like, 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 done up. Like, you're so fucking cool, man. Like, <laughs> like you're telling adolescence about like your your sexual escapades or just like you know a lot of times when it when it was like a 16 year old dude that was volunteering at this camp i would just be like i feel like you just found this out yesterday and now you want to act like the cool kid that knows everything mm-hmm. and so you're telling us just to be like hey i, I already found out about sex you want to hear about it and it's like i don't know man yeah not from you you fucking weirdo I want to hear about it from a bunch from forty year old gay dudes in a in a support <laughs> yeah. center. All right, yeah, yeah. I'll have my That's time. I want to hear. Yeah, oh, Matt, I just I remember when you when you told that story on stage, and I realized you you kind of you 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 started oh I you know DUI I'm going to the support group, and every guy in there one by one saying that they needed to be supported for watching gay porn. Mm-hmm. Never laughed harder in my life. Yeah, I like I was the moment when I said that. That's the moment where you never stopped laughing and it was like you know that that story when i tell it on stage like i get to that at like 45 seconds i see you sometimes and i'll start laughing because i'll think of that yeah i would would give anything to be in that group i would would, here's so here's how the story ends so i do this i go all eight weeks i finish it out i get all of my signatures on the thing and i still haven't gone to court like i my court date was like very very far in advance I get all of my community service and all of my celebrate recovery done. And I, I go to my lawyer one more time before I'm going into court and I show him that I have all the signatures and everything. He's like, cool, good. Let's go. We walk over to the courthouse. It's like the courthouse is like right across the street from his office. We go over there, we go in. It's a very quick process. Like I'm with my lawyer. We walk into the room and the judge is like, so you got pulled over for drunk driving. And you were taken back to the, uh, you were taken back to jail. They took your blood and your blood alcohol level was at a 0.02. 
So you're, so you're good. You are not, you are well under the, the legal limit. You are 21 years. You are the legal age. You are well under legal limit. So we're just dismissing your case. Nice. And so I got, <clears throat> so it was great that I got my case dismissed and, and nothing came of it. I never had to pay any fines. I had to pay the lawyer, but I never had to pay any fines. I never had anything on my permanent record. I never went to jail, but all of this is like, great. Like I'm walking out of the courthouse riding high call my parents, tell them that everything's fine. I was under the legal limit, like, like all this great stuff. But then like a week later, I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking like, so I just had to go, I just had to get verbally accosted by, like, by Latin teens and like, and like got sent into this hellhole of gay porn for no reason. Like I went through all of that and the whole time I was good. I was never going to get in trouble for anything. I never even really needed to be pulled over. It, it honestly, in some ways, felt like some kind of cosmic, like, God was like, you want to see how bad it really could be? He wanted to, like, <laughs> shake my fucking cage uh-huh. and be like, <laughs> be like, here's the two opposite ends of the spectrum. Here's what happens if you don't finish college. You could end up working in a soup kitchen or sitting in a support group for gay porn in your 50s. Mm. Here it is. And I it's was like- totally good. Let go. It's like wine. Sometimes gay porn's an acquired taste, and you get older. Like you didn't enjoy port when <laughs> yeah. you were twenty-two, and you try port at forty, and you're like, "Oh, this is delicious." Yeah, so keep an open mind, Matt. Keep an yeah. open mind. I oh. guess so. Man, can we record a little intro before we like where where we introduce you real quick? Yeah, of course. Okay, let's make a loud noise so Robert knows where that we're recording. Did that spike it up, Robert? <laughs> no. You're you're you have like uh what what's it what's that called? You have like a limiter on your microphone, and if you try to go too loud, it actually just mutes you. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, did that work? Oh, the limiter. <laughs> no. limiter. Okay, I don't know how this works. Robert does the editing. Okay. We got a we got we got a guest. Everybody, welcome Matt Boyd. What is up, everybody? There how we you go. Doing? Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. I again, dude. It kills me. Just the whole. Was concept. that good? Was this all yeah. good? Was this yeah. good? I want you to turn that into something. Let me write for it. If you ever let want to make a short video for it, if you ever want to make a like a short story about it, that is one of the funniest. I think about it so often, and I laugh, and I think of different scenarios. It's like yeah. the idea that you had to go to a support group for your drinking, <laughs> which you didn't even have a problem with. Yeah, like gay porn guys that didn't have a problem. Kills yeah. Me. It yeah. it kills me as like a concept. And, and, it's hey, like, they, like, they thought they had the problem. They yeah. had the problem because they oh, yeah. thought it. And at the end of the day, they never they not only did they have nothing wrong with them, but I didn't even need to be there legally. <laughs> yeah. I I would I would prefer if the story ended by you're like, and I went for my entire time in college every single week. <laughs> and then I just kept going. And then I, I, I love them. I love it yeah. there. Yeah. And before you knew it, I became the church leader. Whew. Yeah. That kills no, me. No, it was uh it was it was a lot. You know, it, I have told more than one person this story. Oh yeah, like I'll like I'll tell them like, hey, I I know a comedian, and then I'll try to tell them they just kind of look at me, and I'm like, what am what are they missing about this? How do they not know this is the funniest thing of all time? And I think it's mostly because I can hardly breathe when I try to tell people like a retelling of this because mm-hmm. I start just laughing. It it kills me. It's this is like the funniest. It's funnier than any joke or movie. It's better than Borat. The story to me is better than the movie Borat. <laughs> it is. I and like that's kind of the the issue that I have of like trying to find a way to 
tell it on stage. I think I just don't think that it's a good stand-up story, but I do think that it's a funny like I I do think about it the way you were saying about like I think it's a really funny like episode of a TV show. Yeah. Of yeah. like a, some kind of like Atlanta style TV show where it's like a it's a one-off episode that has nothing to do with anything, but it's like the character you know, gets pulled over for a DUI and then the whole episode is just all the things he has to go through and then and then the ending the ending of act three is like and there was he never had to do any of it, but he just got sent through this fucking tornado. Yeah. Absolutely know? kills me. Um but yeah, I mean it it really is. And and you know the funniest thing about it is like all of the stuff that I add is kind of funny, but the funniest thing is just the I mean it's like if you go back and watch this, what I'm telling you, I tell this whole long story. And then just the moment I say, and all these dudes were addicted to gay porn. It's just, it's the most, it's the funniest thing in the world. And like, I'm okay with saying that because it's, I didn't, I'm just reporting. I'm just, I'm, this is where, this is where my journalism degree comes into play. I'm yeah. just <laughs> reporting on the situation. I sat in a room with eight grown men that were addicted to gay porn. It's just, it's just, there's, it's, it's so fucking great. I worked with the, not my sister worked with this guy when I was way younger who like would find these moments like would like love to collect these stories of people that had these like and this is what he always called like he called it a treasure from heaven where it's like sometimes you get these stories that just like seem made up they seem like unrealistically incredible that have to everything has to fall into place perfectly and it's just yeah. a treasure from heaven and this story is like the best example of a treasure from heaven i've yeah. ever yeah. Where it's like yeah. i cannot the, all the, every piece putting being put together and falling into place for this to happen is like it's an act of god yeah it, it truly is in every way a, a complete act of god